the Lord, my Lord, the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord. Okay, now, uh, blessed people, uh, last Sunday we had a conversation on the role of the Holy Spirit at this hour in the church. The role of the Holy Spirit uh, in Christian salvation. And uh, today you had the same conversation on going on radio. And so I thought I should come live on air again to extend the conversation on the role of the Holy Spirit. And we saw very clearly uh, that the Holy Spirit is absolutely very central in the Christian salvation that we behold now. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely sitting at the center place in the communion between mankind and the Lord. The Holy Spirit takes a very, very key position in the fellowship and conversation that goes on between the throne of God Almighty in heaven and the Church of Christ. And that's why I thought it wise that now, after all the crusades are over, and uh, you have come back home, you are prepared, you have your meals, probably, most of you, uh, East African time, but on the other side of the clock, uh, if people are still awake, I thought this is the right time to now engage with you when you're a little calmer now. There's a big revival in the land, I acknowledge. To be able to advance this conversation, the ongoing conversation on the significance of the Holy Spirit, the centrality of the Holy Spirit in your Christian salvation. In other words, in your life, in the life of the Church of Christ on the earth here before she enters eternity. Now, right from the beginning, I would like to make it clear here that I have seen the entry of the Church into the glorious eternal kingdom of Jehovah, and I have already prophesied with my terrible prophetic tongue the glorious stairs of eternity, of everlasting life, and strictly based on the words of my tongue, those stairs have now been lowered, and this generation has beheld the eternal everlasting kingdom of God right before them, above the skies here, recording them, sharing them, discussing them, sending them out to friends and colleagues that they too may get to know the clock, the time in heaven, the doing of God, the proximity with which this generation and the church is towards the glorious kingdom of heaven. So I have seen the entry of the church, and this I'm using today here in my preamble, in this small abstract here I'm setting, in order to weigh the gravity, to bring, to bring gravity to the conversation that is ahead of us here. And I want to share also that yesterday in the night, the Lord spoke with me about a tremendous healing anointing. He took me into his throne room in heaven. So those of you from the radio that I speak with immediately, uh, sometimes give instruction to you in the morning or whatever time, just know that uh, sometimes as I talk to you, only two minutes away I have been before the throne of God in heaven, and then I'm speaking with you. So a lot of caution right there. And uh, so today he took me, this past night, before his tremendous and holiest 
most dreadful, splendorous throne in heaven. And again, he handed down the tremendous leaves, the leaves from the tree of life, the leaves of life into my hands. And we know that the other day he showed me how the anointing that he deposited when I visited with him, Jehovah Yahweh, at his throne room in heaven, how that fresh anointing would cover the mountain. We remember so well that prophecy. So somehow along the way there is going to be a healing service. And the Lord again is going to remember remember cripples, remember blind people, remember the deaf, the mute. So all this I'm using to set stage for the conversation that we have at this hour. I have seen the entry of the church into the glorious eternal kingdom of Jehovah Yahweh, the mighty God of Israel. And that lays gravity to the conversation I'm having with you at this hour. And that's why you're going to see more and more that the Holy Spirit is really sitting at the center position to be able to facilitate you as the church of Christ globally, that you may be able to enter. The Lord also shows me about other ministries globally. He has shown me other ministries the day before yesterday, uh, the, the big ministries out there and many other ministries, and how they have collapsed. So there is another conversation that takes place in another axis about his servants that are fallen globally and the reasons they are fallen and all that. And then sometimes when I tune on TV and then run into them, just I wake up from that conversation when he's speaking to me about them, then I run into them and understand uh, everything that the Lord is talking about. So this is going to be a very critical hour in the history of the church, the hour at which to behold the anointing for preparing the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah. Now, we have seen very clearly that everything in the Bible is set up. That the Bible is essentially the prophetic timeline of Jehovah, the mighty, mighty God of Israel, God the Father, the Lord God, Jehovah Sabaoth, the commander of the armies of heaven. And so, we have seen very clearly that uh, the Bible is a setup, is by design, the design of the Holy Spirit in order to achieve the powerful objective of the Godhead, the objective of the triunity of God, the objective of God the Father, to be able to deliver fallen men into the glorious kingdom of heaven. And one of the conversations that really sets off the entire cascade in the Bible is the one you find in John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and we have seen this before, the book of John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 10, for example, we've seen here verse 10, where he says, I read it now, John chapter, chapter 2, verse 10, verse 10, he says, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. So we have seen very clearly that in that conversation, the Lord is speaking with the church, and the Lord is raising some very important information 
about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, about the time, the time at which the church, you the church, will find yourself, the, the time you'll find yourselves in, so it is a continuous conversation that has serious impact at this hour, is talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would come to the church. So it's a very, very central conversation, blessed people. It's a critical conversation that Jesus was having with the church. And again, I'm saying that it's very important to understand that the Bible is set up. The Bible is set up by the Lord. The Holy Spirit sets up the Bible that he may be able to achieve one very important objective, to prepare you for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And you see, there is celebrating the anointing that would come at this hour. And you see that the guest of honor was very shocked, very surprised. He was actually in a state of, uh, he was puzzled that there is a certain order of the feast in the house, that the SOP, the standard operating procedure, is always for people to bring out within a wedding feast, to bring out the best wine first, and then to leave out the cheaper wine, the less stronger wine, to leave it towards the end when everyone has had enough to drink. So the guest of honor we see was very surprised by the new wine, and we see that even now as we speak, the entire Church of Christ is globally surprised by the new wine. So it's a very pertinent conversation. And he was surprised because it was unexpected. It was amazing to see that the new one arrived at that time when there was a shortage towards the end of the feast. And like I've said before, the surprise is because of the new wine and the quality thereof, the quality of that new wine is really what caused the guest of honor to be very perplexed and the people at the feast. And you see, in that conversation, Jesus makes the wine. But the guest of honor is not aware that Jesus has created the wine from water. And we see very clearly here too that it is Christ the Messiah that sends his Holy Spirit to the church. He's the one that sent his Holy Spirit to the church. And many events take place there that could speak to you, but I'm simply using this to develop an introduction for you here on today's uh, sermon. You see that the shortage of wine takes place. And again, the Lord now comes and creates the wine according to the need. At the time of need is when he creates the wine according to the need, the need that was there which speaks to us so much about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will always be released according to the particular need. If we are in the dispensation of the latter glory, the latter anointing, then the Holy Spirit is going to be released exactly in that order, exactly to be able to be fit, to be able to meet the current need. And that goes a long way to talk about the self-sufficiency of the Lord, talk about the sovereignty of the Lord, that the Lord is never taken by surprise. Surprise! 
the kingdom of heaven has unlimited resources, so there is no shortage. So there is no need for the church to live as though there was a shortage in heaven and there is a shortfall in the power of God to be able to redeem them from apostasy. And I said very clearly that still the portrayal comes when Melchizedek encounters Abraham. And he encounters him and he removes out, he takes out the glass. The glass of wine which talks about the symbolism of the blood he would come the pre-incarnate Christ would come back at incarnation, Bethlehem, and go to the cross, and the blood would be shed to be able to release the Holy Spirit. That only through then, through his death on the cross and resurrection, will the Holy Spirit be released. So this is the kind of conversation going on, the new covenant. And so, at this time, blessed people, the Lord is championing the role of the Holy Spirit, that the church may be in tandem, may be in step, may be in place where she'll be able to take advantage of the visitation of the Holy Spirit in order to see the glorious eternal kingdom of God, whose way I have come to prepare to see the coming of the Messiah. Now, step by step, as I begin this sermon, I would like to talk about the continuation of the message, the role of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, Yahweh, into the church. And I'm starting today by looking at the book of John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 24. Again, John chapter 4, verse 24. If you don't mind, you turn with me to John chapter 4, 24. The crusades are over, people are back home now, people are settled, so we can now make gains on the word. Now, John chapter 4, 24, he says, God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So right away from the beginning, you see that the Lord is laying his benchmarks on the standards of worship. He's laying his benchmark essentially on the fellowship and communion with mankind. And he says, every interaction that he is going to have henceforth with mankind is going to have to be spiritual. He says, God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. So the Lord raises the spiritual life as being supreme insofar as the conversation between heaven and earth is. God is spirit. And so every interaction, every transaction, every conversation that will entail God communicating with mankind on the earth, it will have to be spiritual. And if worship is the center of that conversation, is the most important benchmark and standard of that conversation between Jehovah, Yahweh, and mankind, that you are created to worship Him, that He inhabits His worship, the worship of the church towards Him, that your covenant with Him is that you may worship Him. Then He's saying that worship, that interaction, would have to be spiritual, in the spirit. I'm using this to bring to you, to calibrate this conversation, that you may be able to understand 
the fundamental role of the Holy Spirit insofar as your Christian life is concerned, insofar as your aspirations to enter the glorious kingdom of heaven is. And you see, right still from the very beginning, the book of Luke is walking with you stepwise, blessed people. The book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse, uh, verse, verses 25 to 35, but we may not read it all. But Luke chapter 2, verses 25 on. That is, uh, it says, Luke chapter 2, 25 on, I'm reading NIV here. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem, called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Look at that. The Holy Spirit was on him before Pentecost. Can you imagine? And he goes on verse 26 to say, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die. In other words, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit. You see now how the Spirit, by design, so I'm using this to center to you, to place at the center position the role of the Holy Spirit in this entire conversation that began at creation, that goes on between God Almighty and creation and created man. That even when it was time for the Messiah to be brought at Bethlehem, it was he, the Holy Spirit, that brought the Messiah. And he's saying that even when it was time now to be able to identify who the Messiah was, who the Messiah is, when he has arrived into the sin, he has hit the Bible landscape. He says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's using the, the nation of Israel, the, the national revival, me, meaning there was distress, that there was remission coming through the Messiah, through the Lord Christ. There's so much there when he says the consolation of Israel, that in whatsoever Israel had gone through, their consolation, their reprieve would only come through the Messiah. But look at this now, the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him. So by design, everything was set up by design for the Christ to be identified. And this is the Holy Spirit that had set up all this. The bringing of Christ and the identifying of Christ. To identify him to this generation. To identify him to the earth. And he said that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Look at that now. That he would not die, in other words, not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now look at the setup of the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit on that particular day, he went into the temple courts. You know, this is different from Anna. Anna, Anna was there. Anna the prophetess was there all the time in the temple, travailing and wailing and crying out there unto the Lord for the deliverance of Israel. 
But for Simeon, all this is a setup by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit. He went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. He praised Yahweh. He praised Jehovah. And he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Meaning, I am now ready to go and die. You can now take me away. Because your promise has now been fulfilled here. The fulfillment of your prophecy is happening right now. Why? Because he says, he has beheld. Look at that now. For my eyes are beheld. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations. So you see, Simeon is now in that prophecy. The Lord is addressing all the nations, all the peoples of the earth. So this redemption was not only coming to Israel, but all the nations. And the Holy Spirit, by design, has set this up. And he says, the salvation, my eyes are beheld, you are salvation, which you are prepared in the sight of all the nations. The light of revelation to the Gentiles. Why revelation to the Gentiles? He's saying, the salvation of all the nations, both the Jewish, both Hebrew nations and the Gentiles. But look at what he says here. He says, revelation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Why? Because the salvation, the redemptive plan of God had not been revealed to the Gentiles. God had not revealed himself to the Gentiles. And so this was amazing at this time now. Because now to the Gentiles, it would have to be a revelation of some concealed, some concealed truth of God. Now to be revealed. That's why he's saying a revelation. And all this is by design by the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit. He says, revelation, to the, a light for revelation of the Gentiles. So this is very powerful. It is still sitting on the very foundation at the center of the role of the Holy Spirit in revealing Christ to the church. The role of the Holy Spirit in revealing the Lord, revealing God to the nations. So this is very powerful, blessed people. While talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, I've decided to retract, to do a derivative here, to bring you back. Right from the beginning that you may see the center role of the Holy Spirit. Right from the beginning. And he goes on to say, which you are prepared for my eyes are beheld your salvation which you prepared unto the nations, prepared in the sight of all the nations. Verse 32. A light for revelation of the Gentiles, like I said, because they had not known the redemptive plan of God. Now it was being revealed as a hidden truth, a concealed truth of God that had now arrived. And the glory of your people Israel. Now for Israel, they had already known Jehovah. They are God's covenant people. So that's why the coming of the Messiah and then now, that's now the glory of Israel because he comes as a Jewish Messiah. He now adds on to their relationship with God. And that's why if you ever get time to read the book of Romans 11, where it talks about the redemptive plan for the national revival of Israel, even here you see the Holy Spirit is talking about the national revival of Israel, the consolation of the nation of Israel. 
But if you ever get a chance to read the book of Romans 11, then you see he's still addressing the fact that to Israel, to Israel, he will now approach them remembering the covenant with the patriarchs. We're not really going there now, but it's so important. He said, the child's father and mother moved, marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Meaning, for those who receive Christ, you will also be spoken about and spoken against. So sometimes you wonder why people should be so perplexed when the world, when you're preaching righteousness and the world speaks against you. If you're really walking the footprints of the Messiah, you expect to draw a lot of barrage from the world, a lot of this speaking against you because you're following the Messiah, because it's written here about the Messiah. A sign that will be spoken again. But remember that you will always prevail because of the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see very shortly. You'll always overcome. So it does not matter how much is spoken against you. Then he says, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see that now, which means he's going to bring a discernment. He's going to bring a unique discernment into the church. Deep, even as far as cutting down into the marrow. Knowing the hearts of men, the thoughts of men, will be revealed. And as a sword who pierce your own soul too. So right from the beginning, blessed people, you see very clearly that the Holy Spirit already took the center stage in bringing the Messiah and revealing the Lord, revealing the Messiah to mankind, to the universe, to humanity. This still within the same path, the same underscoring of the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. So really it's a continuation of the conversation you've just had on radio. And the same look, if you go to now chapter 4, still exploring the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. The same book of Luke, if you go to verse 24, let's go to verse 18. For example, 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Maybe you can start from verse 16. He says, because it says, Jesus rejected by Nazareth. He, said, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Meaning he was used to doing so. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Remember the poor, the prisoners. These are the afflicted. These are the bruised by this life. And recover your sight for the blind, the bruised, those who have been bruised by this life. Claim the year of the Lord's favor. Very powerful, blessed people. Again, still underscoring the significance 
the centrality and the priority of the Holy Spirit in the Christian salvation, in the life of the church. And you see that he sits right at the center, even the bringing of the Messiah and the rolling out of the ministry of the Messiah. The Holy Spirit was at the very center. And you see from the book of Isaiah, as we proceed on, stepwise, crusades are over now. You are now at home. And then we can really explore the word before you rest for tomorrow. Because I won't be there to minister to you, so what a wonderful opportunity for all of you now for us to meet here. You got the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 4. Before he even comes, Isaiah gives the prophecy, and in that prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, which we are really exploring now, you see the central role by design that the Holy Spirit performed. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Now Isaiah has seen the coming of the Messiah many, many, many years before the Messiah comes. Like I have seen the coming of the Messiah to take the church many, many years before he came. He's going to come. He's going to come and take the church one day. But you can imagine I've been trumpeting the coming of the Messiah for many years now, 15 years in a row now. Non-stop, almost on a daily basis. Relentless conversation. So in like manner, Isaiah had seen an event. He had seen the coming of the Messiah when he comes to redeem fallen man from sin. And then in this way still, you see the centrality of the Holy Spirit. Even the one I have seen, the coming of the Messiah, that God the Father has privileged these two prophets to see and announce on a daily basis, you now see the centrality of the Holy Spirit. That's why we are having this conversation tonight. Isaiah... Isaiah sees the Messiah coming way before that time arrives. That the Messiah would come and deliver the church. Deliver fallen men. Deliver humanity. Isaiah sees that. And Isaiah inscribes it in the book of Isaiah, chapter 42. We're reading, for example, 1 to 4. He says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Look at that. Meaning, even as the Holy Spirit will bring the Messiah right from the beginning, by prophecy, how he would come you would see the centrality of the Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of the Christ, of the Messiah, of the Lord Jesus. So what is this happening today? That the present day modern church is attempting to live her Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You see this now. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. Excuse me. <clears throat> he said, I will put my spirit on him, 
and he will bring justice to the nations, he will not shout or cry out. So it's very important, look at that now. He will bring justice, meaning he comes with righteousness. So he says, I'll put my spirit in him, and that spirit I put in him will enable him to bring righteousness to the nations. That very thing that is lacking unto the nations, lacking in the nations, in the life of men. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. I've just read for you, we just read a few minutes, a few moments ago, the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, where he says, he will come and bind up those who are bruised, those who are injured. But look at the prophecy. He's saying that when the Holy Spirit comes on him, like a dove, and he says, the dove is the symbol of peace, gentility, humility, humble. Of course, I know the other role of the Holy Spirit that we don't need to discuss here when he brings judgment. But I'm saying, as of now within the church and this mission, he says, the symbol of peace, the symbol of humility. Therefore, when he comes on the Messiah, the Messiah would be able to judge, to handle the nations with righteousness and with humility. And when he meets the bruised one, the injured ones, the blind, the deaf, the mute, those who are brokenhearted, the oppressed, he says here, again, I will put my spirit on him, and the spirit will enable him to do this, to bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed, when he meets somebody who has been injured by this life, he will not break. Look at that now. He rules them with a gentle heart of a shepherd. A smoldering wick, which is about to go off. He will not snap off. He will not snap it out. He will flame it instead. But that is the same thing happening in the church now. Because before he sent these two mighty prophets, the mightiest prophets of the Lord, the, the week of the church was smoldering now. And yet the midnight hour is about to rain in. It's about to ring out. And you can see the way he began to fan it. He did not shut it off. He did not snuff, snuff out the smoldering uh, weeks of the church. Instead he had fanned it and now there is a flame. Now the cloud is visiting the true prophets. The glory is big. The tremendous radiance is the transfiguration. The glory of the Father is here. Cripples are walking. Blind can see. The deaf can hear. The lame are walking. The gasp of righteousness speech. Tumors are dissolving. So he came now in the same language here, the same token. And he says, a bruised reed, the oppressed by this life, he will not break. Meaning, with a gentle heart, he will reign, he will rule, he will come and deliver. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff, snuff out. That's why he has found now the smoldering wick of the lamps of the church. And now we see there's a big revival that is consuming from Kenya and going globally. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter to be discouraged. Look at what the Holy Spirit does to him. Give him, in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. Look at that now. He will not falter 
or be discouraged. Look at the role of the Holy Spirit right there. By prophecy, Isaiah is seeing that the Messiah comes for this mission, but the Holy Spirit will sit at the center of this mission to enable him. So he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. So he's coming as the hope for the nations. You know that when you look at the earth from above, the way I look at the earth, when the Lord lifts me above the earth, it's basically islands because you see every single piece of continent and land surrounded by water and oceans. This is what he means here. He says in his teaching, the islands will put hope. And you can go on and on, but this is very powerful. Because in our expedition tonight, to explore the role of the Holy Spirit in the church, you see by derivative that right from the beginning, the Holy Spirit was set out by design. He set himself up by design to play a center role in bringing the Messiah and also navigate him and empower him and enable him to be able to be successful in the mission, even unto the cross and resurrection. And he's saying, you two that are born again and subscribe to the Christianity that he brought, how then, how then can you dare as a generation to say that Luke oh, will be able to live our lives without the Holy Spirit? And so we are looking at the centrality and the significance of the Holy Spirit in your Christian life. Even in your, in your aspiration to enter heaven. Same thing you see in the book of Isaiah 61 when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news. And also to bind up the broken. Those reeds that are bruised. Those wicks, the lamps that were burning, but the wicks are now smoldering. He says, to come and fund their lives again. That they may <clears throat> flame up that their flames may be up, looking at the centrality of the Holy Spirit in your Christian salvation. Now you've seen for yourselves that right from the beginning, the Holy Spirit was set, set by design to play a central role in your Christian salvation. And for a generation that is so modern, this conversation becomes so pivotal at this hour. It becomes a turning point in the life of the church. That the church may continue and begin to embrace the Holy Spirit more and more and enter eternity. Just to emphasize, to continue to emphasize unto you the role of the Holy Spirit in your Christian walk. Look at what the, the Lord, look at what the Lord says to a church that has abandoned the Holy Spirit. In other words, this conversation is your conversation. He says, those of you that are in the other churches, those that have not embraced the Holy Spirit, even in this church if you have not, this generation, the book of Galatians chapter 1, chapter 3 verse 1, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Look at the rage with which the Holy Spirit speaks to the Galatians. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law 
or by believing in what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain and so forth? But that is very powerful. If there is any scripture at which to emphasize to you the central role that the Holy Spirit plays in your Christian life, Christian salvation, in order to achieve even a holy Christian life, though, but if there is a place at which the Bible comes out vividly clear on the role of the Holy Spirit, the role he plays in the life of the Christian, in the Christian salvation, then it's this, it's this one here, the book of Galatians chapter 3, 1 to 3. And he says, who has bewitched you foolish Galatians? So when you look at the present day church, you almost see the mirror image of the Galatian church. You see the Galatian church again here. Because he says, the church in Galatia had received the Holy Spirit. And they had began their salvation very well. Only later to be swayed away by the winds of this world. The present day Christian too are being swept away by the winds of this dispensation you can see. They began as spiritual Christians. They received the Lord and they vowed to walk a spiritual life. But when you look at them later today, you find that their lives are physical lives. They have no spirituality at all. Because if they had a spiritual life, they would have been duly instructed by the Holy Spirit that he has come to reveal the holiness of Jesus to the church. So you see that the Galatian church, the present day church has become the Galatian church. Because they, they too have abandoned the Holy Spirit. Because if you receive the Holy Spirit, he will come out openly to you and say that Christ Jesus is holy. So you'll make endeavors. So you see now the rage, the rage of the Lord toward his people. You have received Christ Jesus. You are born again. You're on the journey to heaven. We've begun so well. And then now all of a sudden, you abandon the Holy Spirit. Then you get homosexuality accepted in the church. Then you get rampant immorality, the nudity of women in the church, the deception in the church, false prophets in the church, false apostles in the church, the gospel of prosperity in the church. Everything tells you of a church that has abandoned the Holy Spirit. She now does not receive from God, and she's now living a more earthly life, a horizontal Christianity, horizontal gospel, horizontal destiny also. The here and now. At a time when I have already seen the church enter the glorious eternal kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of heaven. And so, the rage of the Holy Spirit here, you see that the Holy Spirit is totally enraged at the practice of the Galatians. He's asking them, you foolish Galatians, you have now, in other words, you become foolish now. Who has bewitched you? 
Why have you abandoned the Holy Spirit? Why do you walk like you've not been revealed to? Why? Why was there such a rage? Why was the Lord exuding such a rage to the Galatians? Why? Why was he enraged at them for abandoning the Holy Spirit? In order that you may understand the answer to that question, blessed people, turn with me to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. Right from the original blueprint that designed out by the Holy Spirit, the redemption of mankind, the salvation of men. The role of the Holy Spirit was well portrayed, was well engraved, well positioned, inscribed into the blueprint of the redemption of mankind. Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's see why the Lord was so furious with the Galatian church and why he is very furious too with the present day Galatian church. The church that is attempting to do without the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 he says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Just look at what the Lord intended the Holy Spirit to play upon the face of creation, the face of the earth. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we know that the water is symbolizing the Holy Spirit. However, the knowledge of the glory of God is the salvation of the Christ, the knowledge of the Messiah, the knowledge of Jesus, to know Jesus and to receive Jesus. He's talking about the role the Holy Spirit would play in revealing Christ, in bringing the salvation of our God to all the nations of the earth until it would be like the water cover the oceans, cover the sea. Hey. What a mighty role of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the one that was meant to evangelize and revive the entire earth. The entire earth to be revived. The whole earth to get to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. That no matter the delusion of the religions you see today, that all of them were supposed to end up in one place. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord, that is Christ Jesus, the salvation of our Lord, deposited to mankind through Christ Jesus the Lord. How awesome, blessed people. He says, that was the blueprint of the creation of mankind, the blueprint of the design of the salvation of man, fallen man. That the Holy Spirit would play a central role in the life of man, 
in the life of the earth and saturate the earth with the salvation of Jesus. The salvation of our God Yahweh through Christ Jesus. Like the waters cover the oceans. The waters cover the seas. That's why the Lord was so furious with the Galatians. Because he says, right from the beginning, the design was that all the nations will be able to receive Christ through the role of the Holy Spirit. So what is this you are doing? Thwarting, impeding the plan of God, but you being the enlightened one, now going back, turning away from the Holy Spirit. That's why the Lord was furious. And he says in the book of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9, he says, They will neither harm or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Again, still talking about the centrality, the central role, the priority position that the Holy Spirit would take in order to evangelize and to save the whole world. Like the waters cover the sea. What a beautiful plan of God. Do you see now how the church is thwarting the Lord's plan for creation? The Lord's redemptive plan? Because he's saying that by design, he already set out that mankind, that mankind receive Christ from all nations receive Christ. No matter the nations. Receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that the, the, the revival would be, would be, the knowledge, the Christianity, Christian salvation would inundate the entire earth like the waters cover the sea. And that's why when the Galatians were thwarting, impeding and frustrating God's plan, then no wonder the fury of God. Then how much more fury is there towards the present day church? Because she's done the same thing. The book of Daniel chapter 2, same portrayal of the role of the Holy Spirit. Daniel chapter 2, Verse 34, he says, While you are watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on his feet. Again, it struck the statue on his feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Verse 35 of Daniel chapter 2. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. Then he goes on to say, The wind swept them away without leaving any trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. That is the role of the Holy Spirit prophesied right there. How he would come and saturate and take over the earth and establish the glorious kingdom of God. And he says now, he says again now, the interpretation is verses 44 and 45. 
He says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it ever be left to another people. It will itself crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that struck and broke. Again, a rock cut out out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that struck and broke the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold to pieces. He says, the God of heaven has shown the king what is to take place in the future. The dream is true, and his interpretation is trustworthy. So he's talking about the central role that the Holy Spirit would come to establish the glorious kingdom of heaven. So really, 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 the Holy Spirit has been at the very center of the mission of the Christ to come and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth, to mankind, to the hearts of men, the redemption of God to mankind that they may not perish, to connect fallen men to the spiritual kingdom of God in heaven. The Christ came to do so. He came to connect. He came to set up the church. And if you know the original mission of the church, the original mandate of the church was to be able to connect fallen men to the glorious, eternal, spiritual kingdom of God in heaven. That is what the Christ, Christ the Messiah, achieved in a mighty way. 